Welcome to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. Welcome to News Data's Energy West podcast. I'm your host, Dan Catchpole from News Data's Clearing Up. And with me is my co-host, Jason Fordney, editor of California Energy Markets, the our other News Data publication. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm great, Dan. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, just good. enjoying the early, some early spring weather lately up here in Seattle. And nice. Forward to warm days and in the yeah, warm yeah. sunny summer. Hopefully, but not too hot. Hopefully, sure. We've had a ton of rain and snow in NorCal, which is some rare good news for our drought coverage. Yeah, so, indeed. Yeah. Happy to see that. So I'll uh, kick us off this week. I, I was okay. at um, the Grid Forward conference last week in Seattle and sat down with uh, Acting Deputy Assistant Secretary. I think I got that right. I'll double check. Uh, from the Department of Energy, Michelle Maneri, uh, who's on loan, as she puts it, from Bonneville Power Administration, where she was CFO. So she's spending a couple of years uh, at the U.S. Department of Energy and helping them overhaul or help invest in uh, get transmission programs started. And so the DOE is expecting in the next couple planning in the next couple of weeks to release more details on its 2.5 billion program to jumpstart large transmission projects. There's a huge need for transmission across the U.S., especially in the West, and a lot of these projects are kind of in a chicken and egg situation where there's going to be demand, but they, they're they just a few years away from you know everything coming together. And also you've got an issue with like renewable developers don't want to build unless they and, and can't get off taker contracts unless they know they've got firm capacity mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, Utilities don't want to sign a power contract unless they know they're going to be able to have the generation delivered. And so everybody's kind of waiting, including the transmission developers, because they need to know they've got uh, you know energy coming in, energy going out. And so DOE is hoping to step in here, invest, give some financial backing to projects to help jumpstart them get them over that chicken egg problem and then get out of them as quickly as possible. So there's uh, kind of the success of this depends a lot on how good the due diligence is that DOE does, you know, how quickly can they uh, exit these programs, projects, and, you know, are these, uh, are they backing the projects that are going to have the biggest effect in terms of adding transmission capacity where it is needed as we transition to a clean, cleaner, clean uh, yeah. energy sector. And another big part of that is batteries, right, Jason? Yes, it is. And um, yeah, you did a nice story on the transmission uh, proposal from DOE. I, I don't know what commentary you saw. I did see a, pe- a couple of people commenting that $2.5 billion is not that much. No. It should be more yeah. like $20 billion or something. Yeah, that's what a lot of people were pushing for. Yeah. But it's something. And as you said, transmission becoming more and more important and a bigger part of the conversation. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, so as far as CEM, 
uh, our lead story was the California Public Utilities Commission on April 21st approved nine energy storage contracts, the total capacity of almost 1.6 gigawatts pr proposed by Pacific Gas and Electric. The projects are located throughout the state and are expected to be operational beginning in August 2023. All use lithium ion battery technology and have long-term resource adequacy agreement contract terms of 15 years. The projects not only meet PG&E's 2023 summer reliability procurement requirement, but also its 2023 and 2024 midterm reliability procurement targets. Uh, in its approval of a midterm procurement order in June, the CPUC mandated that the state's load-serving entities secure 11.5 gigawatts of new zero-emission renewable energy between 2023 and 2026. That's reporting from Linda Daly Paulson. And obviously a lot of new storage coming in. We're hearing more about supply chain issues, but uh, yeah, here we have a pretty major approval. Yeah, you guys more. have done a bunch of interesting stories lately on energy storage and some of the challenges that are facing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, coming here, some reporting by my colleague, Casey Mahaffey. She reports that the Northwest Power and Conservation Council is recommending that uh, the Bonneville Power Administration spend more than $140 million uh, on Columbia Basin hatchery and habitat programs as part of its fish and wildlife uh, mitigation programs. The council's recommendation also comes with uh, some ideas for policy changes to deal with flat budgets, preparing for climate change, and improving the overall prog program review process. Uh, budgets for many of the fish and wildlife mitigation programs have not kept pace with inflation. So that is in part due to cost control efforts by Bonneville as it heads into the contract negotiations with its more than 140 public power customers whose contracts, uh, current contracts expire in 2028. So some budgets haven't increased in 15 years, according to Patty O'Toole, the council's Fish and Wildlife Division Director. And that is forcing an issue where she says some programs are nearing tipping points. If budgets aren't increased, there could have to be significant cutbacks to the work they do on the ground. As so you can read more about that story uh, by Casey Mahaffey at newsdata.com. Very great. Good reporting from Casey there. Next up for CEM, I covered in my bottom lines column a new report from Lawrence Berkeley National a laboratory which dives into the interconnection queue issue, uh, becoming a big topic here in California. Um, this study took a look at all the RTOs and ISOs around the country. Uh, and of course, I focused on California. They had some interesting findings, such as in the California independent system operator has the longest time duration from interconnection agreement to commercial operation during the queue process as well as the lowest percentage of queued projects that eventually achieve commercial operation, also has the largest amount of solar and energy storage in its queue compared with other regions, and the largest number of solar storage hybrid projects. Kaiso um, historically has had the lowest share of queued projects that achieve commercial operation with 13% of queued projects between 2000 and 2016 reaching fruition. This compares with 17% in other areas of the West that are not under an RTO. 
And for example, 24% in the mid-continent independent system operator. So yeah, uh, Kaiso has been taking a look at this and in July 2021, approved some new rules around interconnection. The queue is quite clogged. A lot of projects don't reach fruition, as I mentioned. So very cumbersome, sort of outdated way of doing things. And I'm sure we'll see some more action in this area on queue reform. Yeah, what it's, that's uh, an area that I am eager to learn more about because uh, there's it's one of those things that doesn't get a lot of attention, but I think has a larger effect than at least I appreciate. But, sure, it does, and it's um key part of the key part of the process, obviously, of bringing a new generation online that we yeah. really need here in California or storage, I should say. Yeah. Yep. Up in Oregon, regulators have approved the state's first power bill discount program for low-income residential customers. It's a program uh, from Portland General Electric that uh, went into effect April 18th. It's an interim program right now, and they uh, expect, PGE expects that it'll attract around 24,000 enrollees this year, representing about 15% of the total number of eligible customers. And uh, the utility expects a total enrollment of about 123,000 as the program matures. It, this is one of those programs that seems to be indicative of some of the shifts in thinking that have been happening in the past few years around equity and restructuring uh, some of the, the, the priorities and, and uh, you know, rate structures of uh, utilities to address some of those issues that it seems that have really been uh, sped up by COVID and all the, you know, uh, but late, late fee and disconnect moratoriums that went into place. Uh, it seems like there's been, especially in Oregon, a lot of focus now on developing some new rate structures and, and programs to address some of these uh, equity issues. Yeah, glad to see that a massive issue with um, bills and disconnections. So yeah, glad to see that uh, something happening there. Uh, next for CPM, I had kind of trying to attempt a fairly technical topic here. Uh, Federal Energy Regulatory Commission on April 21st reversed a 2020 order that had accepted a compensation methodology for offers above the capacity procurement mechanism price cap. Sounds very technical. It's really kind of simple. The CPM is Kaiso's backstop procurement program. Um, this methodology approved by FERC in 2020 permitted recovery of resources going forward costs plus a 20% adder. This was appealed by the California Public Utilities Commission, which remanded it to FERC which led to this latest decision. FERC said the new order, quote, finds that record evidence did not support acceptance of the 20% adder and therefore accepts the alternative compensation methodology proposed by Kaiso that does not include the adder. So a little bit of uh, more technical market news there on the CPM. Uh, so what else is happening in Northwest? Well, so... A uh, less technical one, the owners of the former Pondre news plant in uh, rural Washington state mm -hmm. want to uh, reconnect 
and get into Bitcoin mining. Uh, they're looking to do wow. some upgrades to facilitate 300 megawatts uh, expansion in the first phase and a 600 megawatt expansion in the second phase. And uh, they to do that, they need to get approval from Bonneville Power Administration that has given them the green light to go ahead with at least some of the initial parts of the program. So there you go. Newspaper industry is, uh, you know, suffering, uh, but... Don't worry, Bitcoin <laughs> is fill, filling the gap. I guess at least in terms of uh, yeah. So yeah, seen a lot more about the uh, the Bitcoin mining mining issue, which I've not, you know, I haven't dived into it super deeply, but I keep seeing this more and more discussion of it. So I think you'll see more coverage of it. Yeah, in our I, yeah, I've done. It's come up uh, more up here. Um, so a lot of the utilities that I cover, you know, public power utilities like the mid-Columbia ones, Shalan, uh, mm-hmm. Douglas, Grant, that do a lot of wholesaling of cheap hydro. And so a lot of Bitcoin miners have been attracted to low energy rates here. It's yeah. been pushed more here with uh, forcing some utilities to do new rate structures to incorporate or to address their concerns about big power hungry customers that have a bunch of servers and can easily just kind of hack up in the middle of the night and move on after yeah. you know utilities spend a bunch of money to upgrade its distribution system to accommodate them so it's wow. been a been a challenge but there's yeah yeah adjusting really interesting interesting yeah. stuff there all right and i guess i'll wrap up cem with some good news on the drought uh this was from friday linda daly paulson reporting a series of recent storms added to California snowpack and runoff. According to the California Department of Water Resources, snowmelt was high at the start of the month, decreasing the snowpack to six inches by April 11th, but the storms added about two inches back to the statewide snowpack with most of that in the north. Other regions should see additional precipitation based on the forecast for April 21st. Uh, The April 22nd California snow water equivalent measured 8.8 inches Uh, Based on DWR's electronic readings from 98 stations, that's 35% of average for the date, a one-inch increase since April 21, when the snow water equivalent measured 7.8 inches. These recent weather patterns were due to classic La Nina regime, according to uh, the U.S. Drought Monitor, which provided beneficial moisture across Northern California and the Pacific Northwest. So yeah, we had a great week here of rain. I've come to just uh, love to hear those raindrops and um, a little bit of respite, although the drought will still be a big issue. And that's it yeah. about it from California. Well, thanks, Jason. Yeah, I don't have anything more from the Northwest this right now, this week. Uh, yeah, it was like a bit of a slow week, but this week is yeah. already looking a lot busier. So, yep. as always, good talking to you. And um, why don't you, you take too, us man. out? All right, great. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. You can uh, read the latest news from Clearing Up in California Energy Markets at newsdata.com. Follow us um, on Twitter at uh, CEM, uh, newsdata at newsdata.cem. I just completely messed that up, but people know where it is. I'm at, at Fordney Energy on Twitter. And thanks for listening. Have a great week. You've been listening to Newsdata's Energy West a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow.